Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host Matt Sheehan, who has had 19 Red Bulls, it appears. And the man himself, DK, Spartan Hoops DK, David Klein. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. We're right here on the eve of March Madness. I think there's no better time to talk about college hoops. Jesus oh my god, okay. We are on the eve of March Madness. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep at all tonight. This is terrible. You know, we, we do play Friday. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. I, it's usually a two-day-ahead-of-time thing for me. So, like, yeah, this is – oh, man. Shin, you've been preparing for March since uh, Maui. Yeah, and it still wasn't enough somehow against all odds. Yeah, I've done enough research to know that I should be deathly afraid of USC and also enough to know that, like, Marquette is on the clock. So, yeah, I can't wait to see where we uh, turn out here in the next anywhere from 20 to 120 minutes. Mm. No, yeah, I think, I think I um, think I have listened to every podcast imaginable for March Madness. Even some people that were probably talking about the women's March Madness bracket, but like to me, all facts sure. are facts, and I'm going to use them in ball my bracket somehow. Yep, ball is ball. Yeah, I, I like that, man. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, DK, what what do you do to prepare for the tournament in the days before? Yeah, so probably a little bit more intensely focused on Michigan State at least for the first couple of days. Right. Um, obviously, fill out a bracket. It's you know, it's a tradition. Yeah. Got to do it. Um, and then I kind of just like circle some matchups that I'm excited to see during the course of the day. I pick out some stuff Thursday that I'm really interested in. And honestly, like you said, I, I consume as much podcast and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is the most magical time of the year. Yeah. Now I'm just ready for it to kick off. Right. It's just yeah. like right here. We're on the cusp. Um, just got to hold on to our seats and see yeah. where, this, where this weekend goes. Do you like the first four games? And obviously, I know it's a little different because we were in it not too long ago, so yeah. we may be biased. But, like, there was some banter online last night of, like, they should just cut these games or expand the field to 128 teams and get rid of the first four. Ooh. Thoughts on that? Yeah, don't want to expand any further no. than it already is. I don't mind the first four. I personally will, like, you know, glance in. But mm-hmm. obviously, outside of Michigan State playing UCLA – you know, if you get a prime matchup, I think maybe it's worthwhile, but I, I don't think a lot of fans are really using it as an appetizer. I think it's just really, let's get into the good stuff, into the meat of the bracket, and go from there. So that's kind of right. how I feel about it. Okay. Yeah, fair. Same. Yep. I look well, at it as like the little chip basket, you know, that you get. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I do like the little appetizer. I do take it. You know, get your small one-unit bets in just to grease the gears, get ready for losing your shirt gambling on March Madness. So, yeah, it's <laughs> I, 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 for one, don't hate them, so. It makes sense. Yeah, I think Thanks. it's an appetizer, but it, it doesn't live up to, you know, the round of 64. No, nothing does, but. of course. Um, so first, nothing. yeah, so first we'll kind of dive into Michigan State, the matchup against USC, and then we'll kind of zoom out from there and, and talk about the tournament as a whole. But I guess I kind of will just turn the floor over to you guys as, oh, and I think you can put the graphic up of some of the stats, um, the comparisons between USC and Michigan State there. But um what do you guys think? I will turn the floor over to you, DK. What jumps out to you first when you think of the USC Trojans? Yeah, so it's Boogie Ellis, um, a guy that can absolutely go nuclear, 6'3", like I think he's 180, so decent size, changes gears extremely well. Uh, he's a streaky shooter, but a guy that can get hot uh, during the course of this season. He's averaged 18 3 and 3.7 so he's not really a pass first guy he's looking to get out there and score if Michigan State is going to have a shot I don't think it's so much worrying about what he ends up scoring but making him as inefficient as possible Um, he's had three games this season scoring 30 plus 11 games scoring 20 plus and he scored 15 plus points in 64.5 percent of the games he's played so he's going to get his can they contain him to a certain degree and make him inefficient. If he puts up 25, but he takes 25 shots to do it, 
Michigan State's done their job. Right. So I think it's really the intense focus is containing him. Um, it's a little bit interesting with this matchup because of the size that they have. Right. They start 6'3", I think it's 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", and then 6'11". So there's not really a, yep. a ton of guys that are on the backcourt that, that don't have size. So yep. I think Tyson Walker, as we saw in that OSU game, he got to take advantage a little bit in the post. Um, they don't post up those guys so much, but I think it's going to be a tough matchup for him. And I think he's he's really going to have to have the bulk of his duty on Ellis because of the positional size that USC has. So how do they match up? Are they going to see Hogard on him? Are we going to see some uh, Jaden Akins on him as well? I think that all three guys spend some time on him, but really staying in his pocket, making him take bad shots, I think that's really the, the focus of the defense coming right. into this game. Shan? Yep. Well, as far as things that MSU doesn't want to see, there's two things that I have in mind. One is a stat, one's a person. The stat is USC's two-point field goal percentage for their opponents, second best in the country. If it's going to be a game like last Friday or any other game where the three-point ball isn't falling, okay, we've seen Michigan State have a lot of games where, okay, um, getting a bucket inside the arc is a little hit and miss, and if it's not going to fall on Friday, then, well, that's going to be exponentially more difficult with a solid USC team inside the arc. And the person... Boogie Ellis, obviously, is number one, but Kobe Johnson, too. And it's not for what he does on offense, but, like, his defense is ferocious. Like, he is in the guy's socks when he is guarding them. Um, Andy Enfield called him the best on-ball defender in the nation. Probably not too far off, honestly. So, 6'6 guy. Who's he going to guard? Is it going to be Tyson if he gets hot? Is it going to be Jaden Akins? Is it going to be A.J. Hogard? Who knows? Probably Akins is my guess, but... The guy's versatile enough where he can bounce around to different guys. So yeah. what valve is he going to be shutting off? You got to look forward to seeing what the answer is going to be and then seeing, well, who's going to make up for whoever Kobe yeah, Johnson good, has assigned yeah. to him. Good points all around. I think kind of the conclusion that comes, obviously, once you kind of take all these things into account in terms of Michigan State's approach on offense, with USC's opponent two-point field goal percentage being second in the country, with yeah. USC being eighth in the nation in blocks, and Michigan State being the fourth-best three-point shooting team in the country – you have to live and die by the three this game, right? Yep. Like, there's no question about that. DK? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think that we saw some of the offensive success that they had down the stretch. Obviously not that OSU game, but the last four coming in, they scored 80-plus points. Uh, they shot a ton of threes, and they made a ton of them. I think that A.J. Hogarth getting downhill in the paint and finding the shooters, that's the key to Michigan State. Um really having the offensive success that that we hope that they can regain right. after you know kind of a rough big 10 tournament. yeah i mean the the disparity in height all across the board between michigan state and usc definitely jumps out a lot as, as dk was talking about earlier because michigan state has um obviously six four point guard and aj hogard but after that um, a shooting guard in Tyson Walker, who is probably under the average height of a shooting guard at 6'2". Yep. You have Jaden Akins playing the three defensively, who is 6'3", six, six, I guess. That's yeah. what he's listed at. And um, USC, on the other hand, at those two positions, have guys above average height. Um, Drew Peterson, who we haven't mentioned yet, uh, their leading rebounder, their leading, their leading passer. He's listed as a guard. He's 6'7". Yeah. Um, so the defensive mismatches that I think USC is going to have Michigan State up against – that's kind of the number one concern for me. Um, yeah, you're going to have a 6'2 Tyson Walker and a guy that's 6'5 most likely um, for, for a lot of the game. So I guess, um, DK, what are some lineups that you think Michigan State might have to go to more often than usual? Because I like to see Malik Hall out there um, against Drew Peterson at times, but um, height's still going to be a problem a lot of the time. Yeah, it, it's going to be a bit of an issue, but I would say that outside of Drew Peterson, who has been having a nagging back injury for about a month, right? Um, over his last three games, his percentages have dipped significantly. Um, 7.1 points per game. I think he's shooting like 21% from the field and 20% Yikes. from deep. He's really been struggling with it. They didn't think that he was going to play in the Pac-12 right. tournament game. He ends up playing... Um, but it, that's something to watch for because if he's not 100%, really the offensive structure for USC is Drew Peterson and Boogie Ellis. Yeah. And the rest of the guys are more kind of complimentary. They don't really have a ton of shooting outside of Kobe Johnson. Um, and so they play kind of more uh, a pick-and-roll type center. Um, Izzo alluded to that in his press conference. I think not having a dominant low-post player, somebody yeah. that kind of matches up and plays a similar style as Maddie, and Maddie just needs to bring the energy and the glass cleaning. 
I think that that bodes pretty well for them. They play a more traditional power forward type. They don't have a guy that's really going to stretch you. He's going to really score inside eight feet, and that's about it. So I think that what you're going to see um, is Michigan State have to go to Hall for sure. He's, he's got to play better than he did. I, I think that, honestly, that might have been the worst game he had his whole career. I know he's had some lingering back pain himself, yeah. uh, coincidentally enough. Um, but he's he's got to be 100%. The other thing that you like about the matchup with USC when you're just looking at the personnel across the board, they are in the same boat as us. They're not yeah. deep. They have a two or three guy <clears throat> man rotation at center. Um, they have a seven one guy that's extremely long. He actually has been facing uh, back pain. I'm not going to butcher his name. It's Vincent and then Ayuchuku. I think yes, something like Ayuchuku. Yeah. Look at this guy coming in from from the above. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we're not sure if he's going to go or not. But they got a. They have another guy that Michigan State was actually recruiting in Kajani Wright. Kajani Wright played yeah. a ton of minutes. Yeah. So they kind of have a similar rotation where they don't really have a clear cut right. great guy at center. It, it actually mirrors Michigan State to a certain degree, and really they only have one other guy that's playing major minutes off the bench. So Michigan State's in a very similar circumstance. I like the fact that Michigan State kind of spreads their scoring out between four or five different guys. We've seen kind of during the course of the end of the season four or five guys hit double digits and so if one guy's not playing particularly well you hope that the other guy can step up and knock down some shots michigan state obviously shoots the three-point shot a lot better than they do right um and again i think that that's really the key can you um can you get enough scoring from the perimeter to kind of outweigh what you're going to have with some of the size differential michigan state doesn't really score a ton inside the arc yep. so even though they block a lot of shots and their two-point field goal defense is good they do play drop coverage with their big, which means those mid-range pull-ups right. that Tyson likes to take off the dribble are going to be there. I think AJ is going to take a couple of them, run some pin downs for Hauser and Aikens to be able to get some looks there. So I, I think that the matchup, at least on paper, bodes reasonably well. Again, the only thing that I really, really am concerned out is if Boogie Wells, Boogie Ellis shakes free and starts getting hot. Yeah. Like he is a guy that can drop thirty on you in a tournament game and see your kind of tournament hopes flash before your eyes. So a Tyrese Maxey is top one, two, three on the scoring and scouting report. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that just sounds like a Tyrese Maxey or Ant Edwards kind of a game right there off the surface there. But um, in another way that Michigan State and USC are similar in, in addition to the lack of depth, um, USC is up and down. Um, they have a great win against UCLA. Um, they fought Arizona closely, but then they have a loss to Oregon State. That kind of compares to Michigan State's loss to Notre Dame. So you kind of don't know for both of these teams which version is going to show up. But I guess um, any other closing thoughts on this uh, this matchup, I guess, before we kind of dive into the East region as a whole? I guess keys to the game, we, we know A.J. Hogarth yeah. has to come back. Make threes. Yeah. Make threes. Right. threes. Yeah. Rebound better. Um, yeah. The one thing that we didn't touch on, USC is an equally yeah. and worse, actually, defensive rebounding team. We don't really set a ton of guys to the glass mm -hmm. but maybe you sneak in and you send jay nakins a couple times to the glass yeah. see if you can generate some some extra opportunities offensively um and then for michigan state uh, i think obviously the defense has to be much better than it was down the stretch um it was really poor they haven't rebounded well in the last four or five minutes of games it's cost them a couple times uh, he made that an emphasis going to the big 10 tournament we didn't really see it, it i hope that this last you know two weeks straight should have been focused really on that side of the ball and uh, dig in, contain the one guy that you have yeah. to, and I think you got a really good shot at coming out with a win. I just want someone to hold me. That's <laughs> that's all I got for you. No, I mean, yeah, obviously hitting a lot right there, and it really does come down to the three, and it is going to be another game, too. Some that us fans love, the lawn twos. Like, yeah, they are going to be there. Unfortunately, yeah. that might be the best option, though, of, yeah. of scoring inside the arc, at least. So Yeah. Yeah. One thing we didn't touch out too, 12-15 game in Columbus, this Ohio. This is true. I know. Michigan State gets to take a bus. Yep. They're going to yeah. be playing when yep. they think it's 9-15 on the body clock. Mm -hmm. yep. um, that's something that could come into impact too. And I think, again, Michigan State got a pretty reasonable draw in terms yeah. of travel and this scenario where a West Coast team is traveling. I, there's really no complaints for me yeah. out of the yeah. bracket that shook out for the way that they played this season. Um, they it, didn't earn any better than a seven seed, in my right. opinion, and they got probably as fair a shake as they've gotten in what the last five, six, seven. Yeah, years. Yep. So yeah. And, and Michigan State is used to playing 12, 15 kind of games away from the Breslin because I think six of seven Saturdays in a row they played away noon Saturday games. Oh, so yeah. their their bodies oh, yeah. are definitely adjusted to that for sure. But 
Um, yeah, great points. Um, defensively, I should point out, USC is 303rd in defensive rebounding in the nation. Uh, very surprising given how their height is um, used for blocking shots, but I guess different kind of physicality altogether, different kind of hunger and technique. But Michigan State has an opportunity to be one of those teams where you just volume shoot and you get a few of those second chance points, kind of like the mid-majors that kind of make some runs in these tournaments. They don't hit every shot, but they shoot way more than you do. Yep. And they get a few rebounds, scrappier. So there's a, there's kind of a blueprint there for Michigan State. But is that it? We done with USC Michigan State? I think so. Most yeah. of fellas. I guess you guys want you two want to give predictions? Oh, man. <laughs> no, because if I say it, everyone's going to get mad at me. So, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to punt yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to make a prediction. I'm going to punt. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Punt. That's going to be wise. Well. If they yeah. play well, they can win. I think I think they're the better team, but yeah. they got to show it, um, particularly after, you know, kind of the clunker that they laid in the Big Ten tournament. It's, right. it's, uh, it's kind of been a prove-it-to-me season, and that's yeah. still where I'm at. So, uh, come out and show us, because I, I think that they're good enough to win this game, but... The yeah. time has run out. It's winter go home. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. So, no, yeah. Can't predict, especially after I had that fateful video on Twitter celebrating the win against Iowa with 90 seconds left. We're <laughs> up 13 points. Um, so, yeah. Me giving a prediction on this game. Here, uh, USC 85, Michigan State 50. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, reverse, Congratulations, Trojans, for moving on in the next round. Full, it's in full swing here. <laughs> no, yeah. never. Come on. Yeah. So, some other facts here. Um, in the last 15 years, um, or actually, I should say the last 20 years, Tom Izzo, the NCAA's best active head coach in terms of uh, performance above expectations in the NCAA tournament. Andy Enfield is third. Um, most of that is because of the Dunk City Florida Gulf Coast team that uh, went on that run beating Georgetown um, and went to the Sweet 16 in 2013. So either way, uh, these coaches are not necessarily known for flaming out early, but if Michigan State gets to the second round, there we do have a coach if he can beat Vermont, who is known for flaming out early. Someone that does not have an NCAA tournament win since Macklemore was making music. We have Saka Smart and the Marquette Golden Eagles. Marquette coming off a very, very impressive Big East tournament. Yeah. I don't put a ton of sock into that because Jay Wright's not coaching there anymore. Mickey Mouse <laughs> tournament suddenly. Okay. But um, the, the people that know more ball than I uh, are very impressed with Marquette. Said they had one of the best weeks in college basketball last week. Um, Tyler Kolick, obviously the name everyone's been talking about. He's got that dog in him. He's good. Uh, allegedly. He's really good. So yeah. um, I don't know. I think uh, if Michigan State can beat USC – they have a very, very, very favorable path to the to the Final Four after that. Um, Marquette does not scare me more than pretty much any of. Uh, you disagree, Shan? I was, no, 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 you're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah, Keep Marquette going. doesn't scare me as much as any of the other two or threes. I would say three, two or three seeds. Okay. I would say that's fair. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So um, in that regard, I think Michigan State has an opportunity here to have a route of USC Marquette. Kansas State with a first-year head coach in Jerome Tang, who's done a great job. Yeah. And then either Duke or Oral Roberts, I suppose. I don't give Purdue really any shot to make it that far. Uh, Tennessee, I guess, is fourth in net, but key injury there and Rick Barnes. But that's kind of my, my overall take on the East region. DK, what do you think is kind of the overall takeaways yeah, from this region? Yeah, so I pulled like some of the Ken Palm numbers just to see kind of by region. We ended up getting the third worst 10 seed in USC, the worst two seed in Marquette by the numbers. Right. Uh, the worst three seed in Kansas State, the worst six seed in Kentucky, and the third best one seed in Purdue. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I don't think that you can ask for, again, a more favorable shakeout than what they got. Right. Um, this Marquette team likes to play fast. He kind of made his name with the Havoc defense at VCU. This is not this team. This is a, a top 10 offensive efficient team yeah. run by a very, very good point guard who's just solid, doesn't turn the ball over, um, kind of stuffs the stat sheet, both boards as an assist as well as scoring. But this is a team that wants to get up and down, and it's more going to be an offensive-type shootout game. Michigan State maybe fares a little bit better when that tempo is a little bit speedier where you're not going to play as much defense. I mean, we saw the Iowa game. Obviously, it ended in travesty, but that that type of speed and play and Michigan State getting up and down like they did the last four games of the regular season, I think that that probably bodes 
better for them than if they got into some type of defensive half slugfest. And we've got to watch this team try to grind out offensive possessions in the half court. That's just been a bit of a struggle in the beginning of the season. We've seen it in the middle. We saw it in this OSU game. They really took the air out of the ball. I think if you're going to have a matchup against a team, um, what do you want more offensive minded, defensive minded to me for this team and the setup that they have? I think you want a team that's probably better on the offensive side of the ball because at least you're going to be going up and down. You're going to be right. getting shots up. Michigan State's the better three-point shooting team. Again, they're top four in the entire country, so we can say that about a lot of teams. Um, but I think for this matchup, if they're to get there and see Marquette, uh, I think that you have to love that Izzo has the experience to be in that spot. I think yep. the, the the day turnaround on that game probably favors Michigan State right. for how many times he's played in the tournament. And yes, Marquette is a very good team and more than capable of making a run. But I think that on paper, no dominant big again. The matchup is pretty solid in terms of personnel versus personnel. And if they can get past USC, I think that that game is going to be pretty close to a coin flip as well. And then then maybe some magic can happen. You make it into right. the second weekend, yep. and Izzo has fared pretty damn well when yeah. he's gotten there. So I would say we'll so. see. <clears throat> We'll yeah, see. no, right on. And just about like personnel versus personnel, I, there is one thing to be said about, and this also applies to the first round too against USC, is that if Michigan State has a strength on defense, it, it is backcourt defense. It is limiting what other guards can do. Now, I know the timing of this is really bad because Bruce Thornton of Ohio State, he <laughs> had a pretty good game. But you look over, you know, larger sample size of the whole season. Right. MSU with Hogard, with Walker, with Akins, you know, any trio or any one of those trio, they, they can mitigate damage done to them. So that it, it's better to look at a dominant guard on these teams than, oh, great, they're big man-led because well, right. we, we've seen that a lot in the Big Ten, and we've seen the result of what happens when yeah. a team walks in with that kind of personnel. So And just like DK said, once again, knocked out of the park. True ball knower in the middle of us right now. Mm-hmm. The tempo kind of probably won't bother Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, this is what you would probably – select to have if right. you really had your choosing of it so yeah and uh one thing about marquette owen two against big 10 teams this year um purdue when they were rolling obviously um did beat this marquette team by five and then wisconsin beat marquette at marquette so that's uh, an nit loss there for the golden eagles Frauds? No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I take that back right now oh god no <laughs> also i i mean i guess i shouldn't have put it in such a guaranteed way that that Michigan State would play Marquette because John Becker and that Vermont team senior led um, sure senior guards uh, yeah um, a lot of history in the tournament too recent history yeah, in the tournament yeah so yeah. I guess um, we're not gonna put in the pipe dream narrative out there right now of hopefully that happening that way but don't sleep on Marquette but or Vermont sorry but yeah. um, kind of just looking around the rest of the region that Oral Roberts Duke came personally for me is one where the winner can go to the Elite Eight, if not further. Um, yes. Oral Roberts, I get it's trendy. Everyone's talking about Oral Roberts because Max Aismith from from two years ago. Everyone is admitting that this Oral Roberts team is better than that team. That mm-hmm. team had leaky defense. That team came on. That team was peaking at the right time. This Oral Roberts team has lost once since Thanksgiving. Yes. This Oral Roberts yes. team has three guys back from that Sweet 16 team. Same head coach. Yep. Um, they're probably as hot as any team in the country. Just unfortunately, they're playing a Duke team that's won nine in a row. Very hard to predict that game. But the winner of that game could be. Memphis in the next round after that. Yep. Um, or sorry, Tennessee in the next round after that. If Tennessee wins that You're game. You're right. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead too. And yep. then Memphis or Purdue or FAU in the game yep. after that. But You're right. I guess what do you guys have pegged for that Duke Oral Roberts game? Or am I, I putting too much stock in their You can pads? take it away, DK. Yeah. This is all so you. Duke has played really well. Yeah. Obviously, they won the ACC tournament. Is yep. that correct? That's yes. correct. Nine That's wins correct. in a row. You got it. Yeah. Um... I think that their size inside is going to be a problem. Derek Lively kind of snapped out a bit of like a midseason struggle, started right. playing really well. Kyle Filipowski is one of the more mm-hmm. versatile forward bigs in the entire country. Um, I, I, Jeremy Roach has been there. He just played yep. in the Final yeah. Four. Like I just think the experience, the size, and the overall talent is probably going to be too much. Um, but you never know when you got a guy that can get on an absolute heater like Max Agnes. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a potential. I, I don't see the Cinderella story for this 12-5 matchup. I think if Duke was looking at the 12 seeds that they could have gotten, this is probably the one they wanted the least. Right. But I would say that my gut is saying um, that Duke is going to go on a little run here. So 
that's where I lean Makes sense. It. Spent 30 minutes filling out my bracket. 27 minutes of that, we're staring at 100%. this game right here. 100%. I, like, you have the fifth most experienced team in college in Oral Roberts, and of course, winning experience too, and right. not just this year, but also two years ago, that Sweet 16 run. <clears throat> Duke's the fifth youngest team by experience as well. Right. So, that is going to see, well, okay, is the veteran going to beat the rookie here? And the fact that you tie in Oral Roberts being the 15th best three-point shooting team, top 10 in two-point field goal percentage and free throw percentage as well, tis the season where free throws really matter. I like Oral Roberts covering five and a half, but I do have Duke moving on in this one. And, I do uh, too. Yeah, I have I Duke going to the Elite Eight, but same. If, if I would have had Oral Roberts winning this... Might have had them gone to the elite. Also, well. same. Yeah, because I'm sorry, like Tennessee's just a wash to me. Yeah. Like they, they, you might as well put a 16 by Tennessee's name in March. <laughs> like I, completely irrelevant to me. They are out by the first weekend. DK, no do you question. agree this year as well with Tennessee? That being the case, or yeah, I mean, we... the Zodular injury is a problem. I think they're gonna win the first game, right? And I think they're gonna lose the second. Sounds they good. Just have the no Rick Barnes special. Way to yeah. Generate yep. Any offense. It's, yeah. It's the offense has been tough, and they've yeah. really struggled down the stretch. So yeah. And then um, Purdue. Purdue. The Purdue, Purdue conversation. Purdue. Without sounding like haters, how can we have a Purdue that's what conversation? I'm, that's how I'm trying right? to think about wording this. Like, I don't want to sound like a troll. <laughs> right. But, like, however, one plus 152 for Purdue to lose before the Sweet 16. And you have that Memphis team with that backcourt. Yep. And you have an yeah. FAU team. Yep. That has just rolled everyone. Mm -hmm. That's Purdue got the worst possible matchup they could have asked for in the second round. No I doubt. think. No I don't doubt. watch all the mid majors, but like, and then at the same time, like, they did get a favorable first round game. Like, it's a Texas Southern team that had more losses and wins, I believe, and it was an eight seed in their own tournament. It wasn't good. Yeah. And then um, you have a team that I can't even remember, but Merrimack was the rightful champion of their yeah, conference. Yeah, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. Fairleigh Dickinson, yeah, yeah yep. that's correct. But they were transitioning to, to D1, sure. so they weren't allowed to make it. So I I don't think they're losing in the first round. But I think after that, that's where Matt Painter's run ends this year. It's a combination of, well, Purdue being Purdue for me. Because, right. like, look, they get out of the first weekend. That wasn't the issue last year. I just love this Memphis team, though. Yeah. And, like, I understand what they did to Houston was maybe blurred because Marcus Sasser was out for Houston. But... Memphis played Houston close, granted at their home gym, not too long before that either. So Memphis is really cooking. And also, you know, I just talked about experience with Oral Roberts, the fifth most experienced team in the nation. I, Memphis, yeah, even older than that. So uh, they got the experience, and they just they, – they play a mean game of basketball. So, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's why I got Memphis moving and, on. And if FAU wins that first game, which I was going back and forth on, they do have a seven-foot – Seven foot one center from Russia, Vladislav oh Golden, okay. who will be matching up against Zach Eady. He looks exactly like Peyton Thorne. Please look up Vladislav Golden right now. Yeah, Golden with an eye. Yep. <laughs> um, that's a guy that Zach Eady. Well, that whoever wins the Memphis FAU game, I'm gonna love watching that Purdue. Yeah, game. must watch TV. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think that if Memphis gets through FAU, that that is a really tough matchup. Um, pretty physical. Decent on both sides of the ball. I think Kendrick Davis is by and far the best guard on the floor in that matchup yeah. if it was to happen. Um, and listen, Houston is one of the more physical offensive rebounding teams, and Memphis kind of destroyed him. Again, yeah. Marcus Esser was out, their best player. Um, but that's a scenario where Memphis started playing pretty good down the stretch. And I just think that long, more athletic teams that are capable of maybe pressuring Purdue's backcourt which we kind of saw in, down the end of the stretch and in some of the Big Ten tournament. Um, they did not handle the press very well. And if you can match up a little bit with Edie's size and, and pressure the guards on top of it, I think it's a, a recipe for a little bit of a disaster for Purdue. So can they get by? Possibly. But I also, in my bracket, do not have them making the Sweet 16. And then if they get it, I think Duke is going to be there waiting. And right. I think... Uh, between Livey, yeah, Filipowski, yeah. and even a little bit of Ryan Young. He's going to come in there and yeah. get three or four fouls. Big time I think guy. they have enough in the front court, and Duke is, again, going to be able to get up in you a little bit on some of the guards. Um, I, I just don't see them getting past the Sweet 16 if they're to make it this year. Yeah, definitely. And then um, kind of the last thing here, Memphis, they have played the A1 seed four times this season. Three against Houston, one against Alabama, 
They lost to Alabama by three. They beat Houston once without Marcus Sasser, and then it was a dogfight the other two times. So this Memphis team is as tested as anyone yeah. in the country. Um, so that kind of puts a bow in the East region. I guess I might as well wrap it up by asking, who do you guys have escaping the East region? Um, I actually have Duke, okay. um, which pains me to say, but I just like the way that they've been playing. I think that you know between Lively and Filipowski, that's a really nice front court. Roach has been battle tested. He's been there. He's been up and down, but um, Proctor's also had some games this season where he really looks electric. I just I think that this time of the year, if you're playing well, I'm going to take talent right um, over it. And obviously, Shire's first year, so you know maybe it's you know he gets a little bit tight on the bench here and there. But yeah. I, I think that with this group that they have, they're among the more talented teams there. And if you're picking a team that's you know four or five seed or higher uh, to make the final four, that's kind of yeah, that's I'm the kind of team. Yeah, shit. Marquette. Okay. Okay. Marquette. Uh, yeah, I just love the way they're rolling. It, it kind of reminds me of the Kemba Walker UConn team that just rolled through the Big East tournament, and then they just kept the hot hand going through the NCAA right. tournament. Tyler Kolek, I unfortunately think is that dude. Now, with that said, I don't want everyone to be upset at me. Like, I do think if there was a Michigan State versus Marquette game in round two, if, if there was, the winner of that goes to the final four. But unfortunately, I'm going to favor Marquette here. I would love, love to be wrong, though. Love to be that's wrong. fair. Yeah. That's fair for sure. Yeah, I'm personally kind of debating between Duke and Kansas State, but I just don't know enough about Kansas State. Um, and Jerome Tang kind of being his first year, I know it's Shire's first year too, but kind of leaning towards Duke there. But what TCU has done with those backcourt with that backcourt with Keontae Johnson and Marquise Norwell, I think yeah. those two guys, I don't know, dogs, it's dogs, yeah, yeah they can do it, dogs, yep. But yeah, that kind of puts a bow in the East region. I guess um, we can, we're not going to go through the rest of the, the tournament, but I guess I'll just open-ended ask you bold predictions for NCAA tournament. Bold predictions? Doesn't have to be bold. I guess just what are, what are I guess, predictions. What, do you, what are some overarching yeah. thoughts about the entire tournament? Okay. Whether it's, oh, I think this Cinderella, seed, or Cinderella team can make a run, or I think, hey, as mainstream as it sounds, I have Alabama rolling through. Just yeah. overarching thoughts, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that the way that Alabama came out and just basically said, like, F you, NCAA. Like, right. we're not going to suspend yeah. this kid. <laughs> yep. Um, we don't really care what you guys think about us. Uh, and then they just rolled through the SEC tournament. I, I do think, on paper, they're the best team when you have yeah. a six nine shot maker like Brandon Miller. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice piece to have. They have depth in the backcourt. They're athletic. Uh, they get up and down. They've defended better. I think that their region is the easiest one to emerge from. So for me, I really think that they can kind of cakewalk to the final four. Um, I, I have them winning the whole thing. I, I don't feel like great about it because I'm, I'm obviously not rooting for that after everything that's right. gone down. It's been really yeah. just weird and awkward. But yeah. right. I feel like the NCAA is a product that just never can contain any of the problems that arises. So a giant <laughs> fu as like a you know public eyesore for Alabama to run through and win. That's I mean that I sounds about right. Think, think <laughs> yeah. that's kind of yeah. where I'm leaning towards. So. Yeah. Uh, but Final Four teams, I'll give you that. Maybe yeah. that'll be that. Um, again, I have Duke yeah. coming out of that region, so Alabama and playing Duke, and then the other side I have Texas. And I think Kansas. I think we see another Texas and Kansas game. Um, and I have Alabama playing Texas for the national championship. Okay. Texas is kind of a good story, too, right? The Chris Beard shit kind of yeah. was, like, yeah. weird. Like, he definitely deserved to get fired. I'm actually surprised that they did it, like, being down in Texas. Right. You know, like, he yeah. was hired by Ole Miss in the SEC. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. less than a month afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I think that... They've been playing really good ball. They obviously destroyed Kansas, and Kansas looked pretty good for long stretches this yeah. season. So I think they're playing hot at the right time. They're kind of rallying behind their new coach. Yeah. And I think that that's maybe a storyline to watch, too. You lose lose your coach in the middle of the season. That could really have gone you know, in the deep end, and they found a way to kind of strap themselves back together, playing good ball at the right time. And I like the region that they have as well. So 
I think those are uh, those are kind of where my thoughts are. And Roddy Terry's glasses. You got to root for Roddy Terry because <laughs> of those glasses. Shit. It, it's a, uh, you know, I think my hot take is that, like, I don't re- have a lot on here. And, like, this is a really stupid year to have such a chalky bracket like myself because right. it's so open this year. But, yeah, like, in the East region, I have no first-round upsets. Like, even the 8-9 game, I have the 8-seed winning. So, yeah. And that's all the way up to the Final Four. I got one Alabama, two Marquette, one Kansas. But... The spicy one I have is a team that, like, no one's talking about. Like, they might as well be a 10 seed with how little attention they're getting. Xavier. I got a Xavier in my final four just because, well, I feel like no one's talking about them, and that's how you win your bracket pools right there. Or lose them in the first weekend. That's also another good way to do that. But, look, top 10 offensive efficiency team, top 10 efficient field goal percentage team, and also 7-footer Jack Nunge, or Jack Nunge. I always screw up how to say his last name. It's Nunge. Nunji. Yeah. Throw that hard E at the end of that. I like that. So if there were to be a matchup yeah. against Trace Jackson Davis in the Elite Eight, like I suspect, uh, maybe you could limit the damage there right. on what TJD can do. So, yeah, that's my really out on a limb is number three Xavier going to the final four, which could be really stupid. Yeah, I think it is because Iowa State's going to beat him. No, Zach Fremantle injury, that's the tough part when you circle it and it say, like, okay, yeah. probably their second best player this season losing that um i think that's maybe yep. my only hesitation otherwise i agree with you i really like this musketeer team and it, yeah I guess shout out to sean miller i mean he kind, right back. kind of mm, i don't know no 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 shout out no shout out to Sean. i speak for the podcast the official statement is no shout out to sean miller okay listen <laughs> i like his time at arizona <laughs> yeah. you know, dropping bags whatever like right. he never got really in trouble for that he got fired but he didn't really get in trouble yeah. again it just comes back to the ncaa can't enforce any of right. the fake rules that they have my so problem why was, should he play by them because yeah. nobody else really is anyways yeah. my problem with Saul miller goes beyond that okay it's <laughs> as mark shout out to mark titus for bringing this up okay. coaches that sweat too much I was gonna say, was just, it, is it the sweat? Okay, yeah, just, just sweat. sweating all the time. Just co- get it together. I, I think get maybe it. in the same boat as Shaka Smart, guys that left for bigger programs and yeah. didn't yeah. really succeed. Like mm-hmm. he had one run, I think, with Arizona, and then really it was a bunch of underachieving, despite the yeah. fact that he recruited really well. Kind of the same thing for Shaka Smart, except he didn't have a run. Um, and now they've returned to maybe more locally geographic programs yeah. that they can kind of just buy back into what yep. got them there in the first place. Yep. And so I, I like kind of seeing sometimes the coaching arc when it like goes way high and then they yep. tank out and then now maybe they're leveling out. So, um, yeah. I, you know, I think he's a grimy dude, but at the same time, like, yeah. Right. I was having that debate with myself. I was like, is this the, is this a Sean Miller redemption story? Like, was he? It's like, oh, well, he was put in a tough situation in Arizona. Wait, was he? No, actually, he wasn't. Now that I think about it, it's like, I, I don't know. So, like, it, it's assistant just, coaches yeah. got fired and prosecuted. Yeah. Right? He avoided it. So, I, I don't yeah. think it's like a good guy story. Yeah. yeah. But in right. terms of just pure basketball, yeah. you have to like a guy returning back to a place and then getting them right back. Yeah. Like, into the top four. 100%. 100%. But I know how stupid this is with the injury and then also getting just absolutely aced out of the, the Big Ten East Championship game by Marquette. But, but whatever. What it marches learned, for stupid moves. What I've so, learned yeah. is that Shin is going to be rooting for Will Wade and McNeese soon, <laughs> based on what I'm hearing <laughs> <go>. here. <laughs> Will but, Wade cuts fat checks. <laughs> but, yeah, so I guess I'll be quick here. Some of my takeaways, I have Kent State beating Indiana. Um, okay. and, then, and then beating Drake in the next round after that. All right. I didn't have too many upsets this time around. I do have Furman over Virginia. Last, I have that one as well. Last yeah. time that Virginia, Virginia team looks cooked. And yeah. Vanderplass Right. And what happened the last time Virginia lost the forward right before the tournament? UMBC. But <gasps> but it's not going to be as dramatic this year because they're a four seed. But, uh, yeah, so kind of just looking around here. Oh, uh, one observation. If Alabama does somehow go down kind of early, which none of us have them going down early, I believe. No. Alabama gets the most production in the nation from underclassmen. They play possibly a San Diego State team that has nine of their leading scorers all as seniors. The Mountain West is a fraud conference. Fraud. So this will not come to fruition. <laughs> Correct. But still, that is the biggest lopsided distribution between freshman under uh, production and upperclassmen production in the entire tournament. That little nugget he just That was nice. That was, <laughs> that was nice. However, and, and he caught himself too talking about a Mountain West team who yes. I believe should be a one-bid conference. I'm yes. I'm sick yes. of just watching the Mountain West just poop on their shoes yeah. every single march, but yeah. I digress. I'm not upset about it. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I guess my final four is Alabama, Duke, Gonzaga from the bottom right, 
And mm-hmm. Houston from the top right. Houston, Atlanta, Vegas. There you go. Nice. Yep. Who do you have winning it all? I have Alabama winning it all. But I also found a new stat today. And this, this is my heavy changer. The top overall seed yeah. has not won the NCAA tournament. Actually, this is vacated now. But 2013 Louisville was the last a decade. Wow. It's been a decade since the top overall seed won the NCAA tournament. Okay. So they're due. Too. They're due, though. That's yeah. how I see that, it. This yeah. is true. They're That's due. how I've justified it to you're, myself as you're well. You're the guy that chooses red when blacks come up three times. One <laughs> trillion percent. And then a little bit on the green zero over there. But, yeah, you know how it goes. I, I got Alabama over Kansas. It's just so chalky. It makes me sick. But whatever see i believe we are ready for me to go zero and seven and ah. two truths and a lie and if dk beats me off the first time i'm just gonna retire from this segment i'm sorry i'm just not doing it anymore mr thin mr klein yeah welcome to two are facts one is whack this will be the last one if, if you gotta hit the road i do that gotta hit the road after this so. all right so we'll make this quick i'm gonna say three statements to our facts, one is whack. It's up to you, gentlemen, to decide which one is whack. Is this sports related? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, this is, is, is yeah. this is Tom Izzo in March Madness related. Ah, okay. Good friend. All right. Are you gentlemen ready for two our facts, one is whack? Statement number one. I suppose. Yes. Sure. Tom Izzo has reached a final four more than he has lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Statement two. Tom Izzo is north of 500 in March Madness against Pac-12 teams. Those are pretty easy to start with. Number three. When coming off of an opening round loss in the Big Ten tournament, MSU has made the Final Four more often than losing again in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Okay, so the first one is 100% true. I agree with that. Because Tom Izzo has lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament five times, I believe. And he has made eight Final Fours. Something like that. Justin pulled the stat from that, you know, when he was doing his research yeah. for that. So that was kind of yeah. paired. So two, of the, one yeah, two of the last 15 is I'm trying first to round think exits. of how many Pac-12 teams we've played. That's the one to me right. that yeah. seems false. I think it's below 500. We obviously just lost to UCLA. Mm-hmm. But I'm just trying to think over the years how, how much recently. 25 of them under Izzo. Yeah. This is unfair. 25 games? Well, 25 tournaments. Oh, yeah, Izzo. no, no, no. Yeah, I know, yeah, but yeah. How, do you know how many games that he's played against Pac-12 teams? I'll give you that. It's it's uh, six. Six. It's six. Six. In 25 years. You said above 500. Above 500. Okay, that's the false one for me. I bet it's above three and three. That's As someone that is 24 and Izzo has made 25 of these in a row. Yeah. And I don't have any recollection of Izzo's tournament history from the, like my first half of my life. Okay. This is an extremely unfair. I am saying that this should not be counted towards my record. I'm filing a grievance. But you know, before no, a guess. History. Before no a guess. History, before a guess. Know, <laughs> okay. What was the last question? Yeah. So the last one was, when coming off of an opening round loss in the Big Ten tournament, MSU has made a Final Four more often than losing again in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Oh, the yeah, middle so one's... That's true, too. Yeah, the middle one's definitely this, false. It's the, the opposite. Those two end ones are kind of similar. Yeah. So I think we're going we're to... Yeah, true, yeah, yeah, false, yeah. true. Yeah. Final answer. I'm locking that in 100% as well. Let's go! <laughs> they did it. One in six. They did it. They One did in it. six. An extra credit for DK because they are three and three. They are 500 against Pac-12 teams. That was the whack one. They've lost twice to UCLA. They have lost to Arizona. They have beat Utah, Colorado, and USC. Tom Izzo, he has had six first-round exits, eight Final Fours. But, yeah, I mean, MSU has had six first-round exits in the Big Ten tournament. They've had three Final Fours after that's happened. 2001, they had a Final Four. 2005, an incredible Final Four run. And then 2010, a Final Four run. They lost in 2002, 2021, and the sixth time, well, a Sweet 16 in 1998. So, Pretty uh, good odds. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe just you know, I'm absolutely. glad you pulled those. Me spending, I was me spending yeah. a whole day looking up Izzo's early exits mm-hmm. paid off on you did it. De- deeming the first the first and third to son be correct. Of a, you, you did it. <laughs> he got some We're help on the second one. He wouldn't know to do with the second one. Well, yeah. No, I, oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, I honestly had no clue about the second one, but I knew the first and third. I think I would have gotten a process of elimination, not because of me actually knowing history in the middle one, though. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. There we go. Okay, That's well, why he's the, the engineer. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's why I'm one in six in this game. <laughs> and look at you just walking in here, dropping some ball one on us, and then leaving a winner, too. One in right? no, That's what I'm talking I'm about. I'm flying out tomorrow morning. I got a conference yep. in Miami, so I don't uh, 
Astronomical flex. Let's go. Dickhead's meeting with Johnny Ruiz tomorrow. (laughs) Getting some NIL (laughs) sent up this way. Um, But yeah, we appreciate DK coming on here. Um, Early morning for him tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. You're the man. Let's go get a dub on uh, Friday here. Yes, sir. We'll try it. Go white. Oh, God. All the analysis you could ask for. And with that, we will bring on Owen, and Owen will talk to us about MSC Hoops, but the women's program. There we go. Yeah, obviously, um, some big news going on with the women's basketball program. Susie Merchant, it was announced, uh, I believe Monday night was the official time that um, it was mutually decided that they would part ways with her. Um, She got in a one-car crash at the end of January, and the Michigan State Spartans spent the last 10 games of the season coached by interim head coach Dean Lockwood. He did a really nice job. But Susie Merchant, she's been here at Michigan State for 16 years, all the way around. Um, She was hired by former athletic director Mark Hollis and former president Dr. Luana Simon back in 2007. She finishes with a record of three or 327 and 186, which is second best all time for wins at Michigan State. And she finished with 528 wins total. She captured um, two Big Ten titles in 2011 and 2014 and was Big Ten Coach of the Year in 2011. Just an all-around great person to interact with. And just my time that I've spent working with her at Michigan State, just phenomenal all the way around. A great character. All of her players had great things to say about her. Um, it, it's just unfortunate the way she had to go. And the her doctor spent a lot of time and did a lot of tests on her. But unfortunately, they decided that it was in, in her best interest to – um, not continue as the head coach in Michigan State, and we wish her well. And um, they will conduct a national coaching search coming up. And interim head coach Dean Lockwood will run the program at the moment. But either way, hats off to Susie Merchant and everything she's done. And she's worked alongside um, Tom Izzo for a long time, and yeah. those two have really grown close. And she uh, she's been a a figure in NCAA women's hoops for a long time and um, we wish her the best and she did a fantastic job here at Michigan State and now she gets to be a full-time mom and she's got um, two sons so she's going to have more time to do with that sort of thing and hopefully she finds a new passion and oh Oh, looks like we lost Owen there shoot Oh, he's back. Well, oh, I'm back. He's back. Yep. He's e- so back. Easy call me. That easy call me. Well, I was mm. <laughs> so that that's on him. But uh yeah, so I mean that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, she she did a fantastic job and we wish her the best. Yeah, yeah. I think um um beyond wins and losses, she made an impact on, on people. There's a reason she was able to recruit the way she did, the personality and um, the way that her and Izzo kind of work together, you don't see that between men's and women's basketball programs everywhere. So yeah. obviously has um, a lot of likable aspects to her, and that's why she was able to have the tenure that she did that with that length and stability for sure. Well said, fellas. I well think um, in terms of some candidates, I don't know the women's college basketball scene well enough to know who else is on these candidates and um, maybe MSU's ability to get some of these coaches. But Megan Duffy at Marquette sounds like someone that's going to get lots of calls this um, upcoming offseason. Um, obviously, uh, Marquette being in the Milwaukee area, that is going to be a lot of crossover in terms of Midwest circles. And um, you also have the coach at Toledo, Trish Cullop. Uh, maybe MSU might want to opt for a coach that's younger and can stay there for longer, but Trish has over 400 career wins, um, over 60% of those, uh, 60% win percentage in those games. So um, a lot of experience there. So those are some Midwest kind of coaches that I think Michigan State might look at, but we'll see. There's far more yeah, qualified people. I agree as well. I mean, um, the, the way uh, Haller has been hiring as well, it's been right. – younger coaches and we already saw with nightingale leah johnson right. with volleyball and then coach show with softball he's yep. elected to go younger some up-and-coming coaches as well so you know that michigan state's gonna 
go through that process because they expect this coach to be here for a long time. And Lockwood has done a really good job. And if they do decide to go with him, I think he would be a great choice. But I do think that they will go with a younger coach here at Michigan State. I would agree with that decision. You you want to find the next person that can stay there for 15, 20 yeah. years if I'm an AD, but I guess we will leave those decisions to smarter people than I. Appreciate it, Owen. Thanks for the update. Of course. And we got St. Patrick's Day Friday, so. Good luck, Owen. You know, fri- Friday <laughs> here in East Lansing is going to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this is our last time talking, it's been real, man. It's It's, it's been a blast. So. Jeez, have, have a great time, man. Be safe I, out there. I don't know if I'll be back. It's East Lansing. Dude, I'm just saying if Michigan State wins, there's going to be couches burning. I, I don't know where. Can't, I can't specify where yeah. it will be burning, but. There will not be by a you. couch burning somewhere. Not by you. That's all no, I can say. No, not by no. you. No. No. <laughs> yeah. no. Never. Jeez. No, that would be terrible. The post-Duke couch burning is probably the, the best best athletics-related moment on campus during my four years yeah. there. Yeah. For, for, for me, yeah. it was the 2013 Big Ten Championship game. I think couch burnings like... after that? Sorry, go ahead. Were, there, were the couch burnings after oh, that? I think it was something game? like 96 confirmed fires or something like that. And, <laughs> and those were the confirmed ones. Like, it was it was bedlam out there. But uh, I had to stay in my house because I worked for the state news. And my duplex on Spartan Avenue became the hub since the office was shut for some mm. reason. So I was just holed up. You said it became a photo journalist Not committing that arson. Day. I know. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't commit arson like a cool person. <laughs> I had to sit in and actually do my job. So... That's a bummer. But now my job is to hand out some flowers mm. to end this show. You like that transition over that's there? A there great, that's a great transition. Let's hand them out. And, hey, tis the season. It's March Madness. Let's start, you know, paying more homage to March Madness heroes. Darrell Summers is who mm. we are giving our flowers to today. And, look, one of the most dynamic athletes at Michigan State. But we're not going to talk about just his high-flying dunks or what he did during that 2009 Final Four run. We're here talking about what he did in that 2010 Final Four run, the one when Kalen Lucas went down and, well, it wasn't looking too good for the Spartans. Or was it? Because Kalen Lucas, okay, New Mexico, when Kalen Lucas was still playing, Darrell Summers still had 14 points, second highest on the team when Kalen Lucas had 25 points. Kalen goes down. Okay, against Maryland, Darrell Summers says, hey, you know what? How's 26 points? How's six of eight shooting from three? Against Northern Iowa in the Sweet 16, how's a team high 19 points, 4 of 9 from 3? In the Elite 8, how about a team high 21 points, 4 of 6 from 3? He had a team high in every single game. Kalen Lucas was not there. Kalen goes down. Too bad. I I hope you guys like Final Fours anyway because I'm taking (laughs) everyone to one right now, said Darrell Summers. And he did it averaging 22 points on 60% three-point shooting for back-to-back Final Fours in the program. How many times can you say that? Not too much, unless you're Michigan State. So, yes, Darrell Summers, take the flowers. You deserve a man. Hope all is well. Very well said. I try. Very well said. I try. I try. God, that, what an exciting team that was, though. And that that I know you were like six when this happened, <laughs> but like, man, that that run. Um, the I, I, I can't even speak. Yeah, I can't even speak. It was beautiful. March Madness, the best time of the year and the worst time, but the best time, also the worst. Wonder who the wonder who the heroes are going to be in this March Madness. I think um, I know people people's names go to the Max A. Smith because he's done it before. Yeah. People's names go to kind of the guys that are like top two or three in national player of the year, like voting in terms of Zach Eady and sure those kind of guys. But Could be just one shot though, like Chris Jenkins or that's uh, true. Ali Farouk and Amesh from uh, Northern Iowa back in the day. Like, man, one thing I noticed this year's tournament, like even the Cinderella stories, like all those teams are legitimately good. Maybe that's always the case. We're looking at it yes. in a vacuum. Yeah. But like the game is so so more like level right. now. Like it, you don't yeah. have to convince yourself to mm-hmm. pick some of these upsets. Right. Like you can feasibly see these teams making a run. Yeah. I think that makes it so much more fun. And like what's different is like the gap between like a three and a fourteen. Like how it, you know it was there's a gap, but it was kind of close. Like that's what like the two versus fifteen feels like now. I feel like the 15s right. have gotten so much better. The fourteen so much oh, better. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously, UMBC, the six teams got better that year. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's it, it's going to be a fun tournament. Um, I wish, again, I didn't go as chalk. Don't don't go chalk in this tournament. Can I just say one r- more random thing, too, like why yes. I would love to go to a Final Four? I mean, all the pageantry and, you know, your team's great and everything like that. The Final Four logo this year 
is so sick, and I need a hoodie with that logo on it immediately. So. I need to look this up. It, oh, here, let me just throw my laptop. <laughs> <in there. laughs> no, it's, it's yeah. like space themed. It's uh, it's it's what the kids call a uh, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, is that what words you guys use? I don't know. Maybe, ki- maybe ki- kids in the forties. It's swell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah, I think there's a lots of other reasons that Final Four might be intriguing as well. No, I think just fan gear. That's, is, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's but all. Um, it'll be an interesting tournament. Starts tomorrow at 12.15, and then Michigan State plays Friday at 12.15 Eastern. Um, I'm sure, Shin, you have all of your um, calendar blocked off for the afternoons of each of the next two days. With meetings, yeah. Yeah, important meetings. So important, you can't believe it. Unbelievable. <laughs> you can't believe it. Just all the C-suite touch points. Meetings. All, <laughs> yep. the, all of the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing all the kickstarts. Yep. <laughs> Product launches. Yep. Uh, what, TPC report. I don't know. What other Corporate do? America is not going to get its return on investment for your salary these next two days, I have a feeling. You're right. They're going to get double it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just hope you don't lose that whole salary betting. That'd be great. Not likely. I but probably put way too much money on Purdue to lose in the round of 32 or earlier. Nah, come on. But plus 152 odds is free money. Like, what do you expect me to do? Or like the uh, guess the final four teams like uh, parlays where it's like bet two dollars <laughs> to win one thousand six hundred seven dollars. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna throw in a few of those tonight. Yeah, I me too. Colgate's gonna be the first thing I put in there. Hey, turn no, up. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Hey, my, my my son's got Kennesaw State in the national championship game, so uh, mm, I don't like that one. Yeah, yeah. He, Same not, on your he, son. He have a crazy not a champion. ball knower at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he has he at least has a single digit seed winning. He's got Creighton winning the whole thing. So. Oh, Baylor Shireman season. Yeah, huh. he loves Blue Jays apparently. So that's I can yeah. see it. Yeah. Creighton was the preseason favorite to win the Big East. He knew that probably. Oh, of course he did. Two year old son. Yeah. Was hip to that. Yeah. I think um, that region right there. I should just say that quadrant of Baylor and Creighton. Come one of those teams oh, yeah, coming yeah, out yeah. to the Sweet Sixteen. That's electric. One of the yeah. most fun ones there. Um, that Penn State Indiana or the sorry that Penn State Texas A and M game. Yep. That one. Must it's, see. it's interesting. Texas does not have an easy road. No. Um, even Colgate's a tough that, game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. If Colgate was playing a three seed, mm-hmm. um, not named Gonzaga, I probably would have had them winning their their first game of the tournament. Sure. I'd probably make it two, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So, and then they play Texas A&M uh, or Penn State's winner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting. Lot of lot of factors to watch. UCLA, how far can they go with um, Jalen Clark injured? Um, Gonzaga, a lot of people sleeping on them. Is this the year that they surprisingly out of nowhere get that title? I guess we'll see. But it uh, starts tomorrow, and we won't have to wait much longer to get the answers to some of these questions. I hope so. I- <sighs> They're, they're, you know what? Yeah, no one's listening anymore. I'll just keep going. Um, yeah, I absolutely keep going. On Colgate still. Yes. Um, Colgate Dogs for Life now is the show we're doing right now. For they sure. have the most fascinating set of stats I've ever laid my eyes on. They are the Tell number us. one three-point shooting team, 40%. 40%, which is insane. Their free-throw shooting percentage is 66% as a team. How does that make sense? <laughs> like, usually there's a little correlation between three-point shooting and free-throw shooting. Like, it, it, you know, it's never perfect, but at least it's not too far off. That is a abysmal free-throw percentage tied with, like, a, a biblical three-point percentage. So, like, I can't That's make unbelievable. sense of them. Which, which makes me even more excited to watch them tomorrow. I think they're just not interested in scoring baskets that do not amount to a lot of points. I like that, actually. Yeah. Commitment to the bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That kind of reminds me of the discrepancy of of USC being eighth in block shots and three hundred and third in defensive rebounding. Yeah. Just wasting their height yeah. on defensive rebounding. Yeah. But they'll block that shot. Yeah. They'll they'll block it, but you're gonna get well, the offensive blocks, rebound blocks after. Blocks make the highlights. Yeah. Rebounds <laughs> they, they ain't making the highlights. So yeah, I, I get it. Maybe <laughs> I, I maybe we it. can get week one Matty Suzuko out here. Oh please, I'd pay money for it. I would literally pay money for that. Yeah. Out of pocket. Yeah. I mean, if you have an active Matty Suzuko, um. In this game against a 303rd defensive rebounding kind of a team, instead of him playing like Carter Elliott, oof, oof. oh, it's a it's a whole different tournament then. Just gonna be gonna be an electric gonna be an electric uh, experience on Friday. <laughs> that's our show. Yeah, that that's, wraps it up. That's it. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Either Sheehan will be making plans to go to Houston, or. I don't know, he might not even be here. 
Um, if you walk into Madison Square Garden. Because <laughs> I will have lit my car on fire in celebration if, if this weekend goes his right. His car and his couch yep, will be gone. Everything. And, All furniture. Um, I guess Shin will see you guys in New York. And with that, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the SD4L Show. I'm so scared. <laughs> Please close your eyes, turn around, and count to nine. When you open them, I will be gone. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.